0: Thank you. Tales of the Strange and Unsettling
1: This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 61 50 Berkeley Square Nestled in the posh borough of Mayfair, in the west end of London, Berkeley Square is a lovely bit of green space, dotted with a group of towering London plane trees, among the oldest trees in central London, dating back to the time of the French Revolution, 1789. Today, the grand Georgian townhouses that flank the garden on all sides play host to blue-chip meeting spaces, hedge funds, and wealth management firms. But this picture of affluence was once the home to the height of West London aristocracy. All manner of dukes, earls, viscounts, and no less than five future prime ministers would call this lavish locale home throughout the 18th and 19th centuries. But this shining symbol of some of Europe's oldest money holds a dark secret. Sitting, empty to this day... On the southwest corner is a formerly glorious and seemingly unremarkable four-story townhouse. Those who pass by unaware may find themselves looking over their shoulders, feeling the unmistakable sensation of being watched. But for those who know the history, the now-painted brick townhouse looms large and loathsome over the otherwise beautiful neighborhood. A history of dark happenings, a history of death and terror that places 50 Berkeley Square firmly atop the long list of London's paranormal hotspots. Over the course of the 19th century, a minimum of four of the home's wealthy residents would die gruesome deaths inside the residence, and rumors of violent deaths among the home's staff swirled throughout this time period. It didn't take long for tales of occult rituals, violent spirits and otherworldly beings to make their way to London's press, and these fantastic stories became a mainstay for reporters of the day. Soon the house began to attract the attention of paranormal investigators, both academic and thrill-seeking alike. This all seems to have begun with the death of one of its residents, a young woman named Adeline, in the fall of 1789. Her body was found twisted and broken on the pavement below the second-floor bedroom window. The rumor mill began turning immediately. Stories of a controlling and possibly abusive uncle began circling, and his quick departure from the home after her death only served to reinforce theories of his involvement. Within the month, local constables began receiving reports from neighbors and passers-by of a ghostly female figure hanging from the ledge below the same window. In each report, the apparition would quickly lose its grip, sending an unearthly shriek into the night before vanishing into thin air just as it reached the hard ground below. Later residents would report sightings of a similar female specter roaming the upstairs hallways. She would soon be joined by the ghost of a young girl who had supposedly been murdered by her own governess. (laughs) These spectral spooks were often accompanied by heavy and frequent poltergeist activity. Incessantly shifting furniture, vanishing belongings, unexplained odors, and even physical attacks became daily occurrences for those who called the townhouse home. In 1800, former Prime Minister George Canning purchased the house. His diaries make frequent references to unexplainable knocks, rapping, footsteps, and other noises that kept him up at all hours of the night. This sort of activity had high and low points, but appears to have been a regular occurrence during the 27 years that he lived there. In August of 1827, after spending only five months in office, Canning died suddenly at home. His death was found to be the result of a severe case of pneumonia that none of his staff was aware of. Following his death, 50 Berkeley Square was purchased by an aging heiress, Elizabeth Curzon, who quickly decided to rent out the property rather than reside there herself. One of her lodgers, Thomas Myers, quickly became the subject of wild rumors among West London's high society crowd. Myers was the black sheep of his family. His father was a member of Parliament who constantly found himself making excuses for his dysfunctional son. In February of 1828, Thomas moved into the second floor with his young fiance. After the young woman left him at the altar, he became highly reclusive, only opening his door to allow servants to come and go. In order to avoid the humiliation of his failed betrothal, He adopted the habit of sleeping through the day and people often reported the sight of him walking around the second floor by candlelight at all hours of the night. When neighbors began being woken in the night by his screaming and bizarre noises through the walls they began to talk. They determined that he must be using the cellar for occult rituals. This was an obvious attempt to win back his fiance through the favor of the devil. Another of Ms. Carazan's lodgers, a Mr. Dupree, was subjected to the high-class rumor mill as well. It was alleged that he had imprisoned his emotionally unstable younger brother in the cellar. He was supposedly kept isolated from the public for ten years until his death. He was even fed meals through a small hole cut in the cellar door. This dark and twisted history is only the foundation to the story of 50 Berkeley Square. The entity that would cement the property in the annals of Fortian history makes poltergeists and occult rituals look like tea time. An entity that would terrorize residents for nearly half a century. An entity that would come to be known as the horror of Berkeley Square. The first instance of this thing's seemingly murderous appetite occurred in 1840. A local student named Robert Warboys, only 20 years old, was out drinking with a group of friends in nearby Holborn, when the subject of conversation turned to the notorious residents. After a round of heavy boasting, he was dared by his drinking mates to spend the night in the haunted hostelry. Before they could even think to question his manhood, the young Robert was off, stumbling down the streets of Mayfair, and soon the hosteler was woken to the drunken pounding of his fists on the door, of Berkeley Square. The surprised manager raced to the door, thinking that an emergency must have found their doorstep, only to be greeted by the drunken demands of war boys. His annoyance was quickly shelved by the young man's offer to pay triple the standard nightly rate, and the manager agreed to allow him to sleep on the second floor under two conditions. "'You'll be armed,' the hosteler demanded, shoving a pistol into the young man's hands. And if you see anything off, you'll pull this cord. He pointed to a thin rope that dangled from a large brass bell hanging beside the bed. Warboys quickly agreed to the terms and ushered the manager from his room, eager to sleep off the cups he'd spent the evening indulging in. It wasn't even an hour before the peaceful quiet of the house was shattered by the frenzied ringing of the bell and the thunderous report of a pistol from the second floor. The landlord jumped from his bed and ran the stairs to find Warboys cowering in the far corner of the room, waving the now-empty pistol around in a frantic attempt to defend himself. Aside from a brand new hole in the wall across from the traumatized young man, nothing appeared to have changed from when the manager had been in the room only an hour ago. Rousing him from his panicked state, the landlord did his best to get a description of the events that led to his raising the alarm, but to no avail. Warboys quickly dressed and ran from the house without ever giving any details of his encounter. It would be more than three decades before anyone would dare sleep in this room again. Lord George Littleton, a notably strange but highly revered former member of Parliament, had written a series of books exploring paranormal happening throughout London. In 1872, he wrote an article for Illustrated London News... Where he explained that he would soon solve the mystery of Berkeley Square. Determined to be fully prepared, he armed himself with a hunting rifle and settled into the same room that Warboys had stayed in all those years before. Hours later, he was woken by a strained, dragging sound coming from across the room. He sat straight up in bed and reached for his rifle, swinging his legs from the bed. He quickly concluded that whatever was making this bizarre scraping noise was in the darkest corner of the room. He approached slowly, carefully. As he inched closer and closer, feet creaking on the floorboards with every step, his heart began to race. As he considered leveling his rifle, the sound abruptly stopped. He let out the heavy breath that he'd been holding and loosened his white knuckle grip when suddenly something launched forward from the darkness he couldn't believe what he was seeing in the split second he saw a shiny, slimy, vile mass of tentacles springing toward him he reacted quickly, jerking his rifle forward and firing a single shot the muzzle flash lit the room with blinding light he squeezed his eyelids tight watching purple and green lights dance across his vision While he frantically fumbled backward, reloading his rifle by muscle memory alone. He shook off the blindness and quickly assessed the room, searching for the Lovecraftian monstrosity as his vision slowly refocused. He couldn't find it. He rushed to light the lantern on his bedside table and quickly surveyed the room. The creature was nowhere to be found. The only evidence of its presence was an odd sticky residue left in the formerly darkened corner that it had attacked from. Having given up on his quest to explain the phenomenon and decidedly shaken, Littleton, just as war boys before him, rushed from the home in the middle of the night. Six years later in 1878, the townhouse was purchased by a family with two teenage daughters. The family's maid was a local girl, who made a small pittance, but was provided with room and board for her and her fiancé, a naval captain named Kentfield. While preparing the second-floor bedroom for the pair of them, she discovered why the announcement of her position to her friends had been met with grimaces and concerned looks. The family was just settling in for their first dinner in their new home when the space was overtaken by the horrified screaming of their young maid upstairs. They immediately leaped from the table and sprinted up the stairs. Bursting into the bedroom, they found her huddled in horror in the back corner of the room. She waved her arms in front of her. Her terrified gaze locked on the corner across from her, screaming, Don't let it touch me! Don't let it touch me! The young woman was utterly inconsolable. The family called for a doctor who ultimately ruled that the traumatized girl should be committed to a local institution. After she was removed from the property, her sorrowful fiancé insisted on sleeping in what would have been their marital bed. He kept his service pistol close at hand, and later that evening, the story of 50 Berkeley Square repeated itself once again. A terrorized scream rang out. Followed directly by the deafening pistol shot. This time, the room's dismayed occupant would never leave. Kentfield was found, sprawled out in the center of the room with a bullet wound in his head. He had apparently committed suicide. In a shocking coincidence, the family was informed the next morning that their maid had died of a massive heart attack while under the care of the facility's physicians. But the most horrendous description of the tentacled beast of Berkeley Square came nearly a decade later, in December of 1887. The HMS Penelope was an armored corvette warship. During the holiday season, it arrived in Portsmouth for repairs and refitting. While on leave, the bulk of the ship's crew flooded into London to enjoy the festivities, But when the bars began to close, two sailors, Edward Blunden and Robert Martin, found that they had no place to spend the night. They made a half-hearted plan to meander about. If they found a warm place to sleep, great. But if not, the port wine would keep them warm. Unfortunately for them, their accidental route took them through Berkeley Square and the now abandoned townhouse of horror seemed like the perfect spot for them to sleep off the booze out of the cold. After breaking in, their bad luck continued when the state of disrepair they found in the lower floor did not suit their standards. They decided they would sleep in the second floor bedroom. Sleep came quickly for the drunken sailors, but it wouldn't last long. He didn't immediately know why, but at some point Blunden rose from sleep in a start. Over the sound of his own breath, he could hear an odd squelching sound coming from across the room. He glanced around and soon realized that something was moving across the floor toward his shipmate, who was asleep on the couch. He couldn't quite make out the details, but as it wriggled along the floor, it appeared to be leaving a trail of slime in its wake. Intent on maintaining the element of surprise, he quietly surveyed the space around him, and identified an iron fireplace poker just out of reach. He didn't know what it was, but he knew that it was dangerous, and it had nearly reached his friend. He decided to make a go of it. He lunged for the poker and thought he'd been quick enough. Just as he stood with the poker in hand, the cephalopodic fiend launched itself across the room and straight for Blunden's face. The commotion woke Martin immediately, who was greeted by his friend's frantic screams. He fell back hard against the wall, dropping the poker and attempting to remove the monstrosity that now had its tentacles wrapped around his neck. Later, Martin would describe watching the thick tentacles tighten around Blunden's neck. At the center of the tentacles was a strange muscular form that seemed to pulsate rhythmically. Unable to get up the nerve to help directly, Martin decided to go for help. He ran from the room, down the stairs, and out the door. Two streets over, he found a constable on patrol and related the story as coherently as possible. The two raced back to the townhouse and found Blunden's mangled body, skewered on the wrought iron spikes that lined the fencing below the second-story window. The constable could only conclude that this was the result of a drunken brawl between the two shipmates and arrested Martin. He was interviewed, and quickly released. And that was the last sighting of the horror of Berkeley Square. But phenomena from unexplained noises to full-body apparitions have been regularly reported by owners throughout the last century. So is this a simple haunting? What could possibly explain this Lovecraftian terror that seemed to live on the second story for nearly 50 years? Could this be yet another example of a place so marred by human suffering that it sustained a tear in the fabric of reality? One that let any manner of monsters make their way through? Whatever has caused this confluence of Fortean phenomenon, we can thankfully say that temperatures have at least cooled. 50 Berkeley Square is genuinely a safer place today than it once was. However, an answer to this mystery may just be beyond our reach.
0: Welcome, campers, to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We're your hosts. I'm Ryan. And I'm
1: Jordan. And now, The Debrief
0: all right we don't have an ad today so yeah i (laughs) I just just thought about that all right um this is a man this is a story and and listening to it uh a little a little bit ago as well just as i was doing the sound design before we actually the episode it's such a strange story yeah it's literally a lovecraft story
1: yeah, basically. Like,
0: and I like that you also mentioned, like, Lovecraftian and stuff like that, like, in the story, because yeah. that was my first initial thought was, yeah, th- that's very, very much what the story is. Yeah,
1: I mean, like, weird tentacled beasts, right? <laughs> it doesn't get much more <laughs> right, Lovecraftian like than that. sloshy
0: goodness and tentacle... Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, like it seemed that anyone that encountered this thing, it like broke their mind, you know, like they went crazy just from seeing it. And that's another theme of Lovecraft.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like it, it made them break down or go crazy. Like the, um, yeah. What was it? The maid that was like in, and after the doctor had came and they basically told her like, or told them, you know, she basically needs to be hospitalized. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, then... and
1: also, um, Littleton, the author, he, I didn't include it in the story, but like, he never published anything again. Really? After that. Well, yeah. He just kind of like faded from <laughs> history after that.
0: <laughs> well, I guess that, uh, yeah, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, maybe it broke him.
0: I, I would assume, or something at least, because I, I can't quite imagine what this thing is. And yeah.
1: I, it it's hard to picture, right? Cuz <laughs> the best description we get is from the sailor. Um right. and that yeah. there's this weird like muscly center and just tentacles coming out from it.
0: See like I I picture it being this like sloshy ball sort of like weird protrusions everywhere. Yeah. With a couple like mass tentacles, like a, uh, um, oh my gosh, one of the uh, one of the jellyfish, um, the man of man of war jellyfish. Oh yeah, okay. like something like crazy long and big, but otherwise it's just like this little thing that's, yeah, I don't know, it's yeah, I tried, <laughs> I tried to draw it, but yeah, I don't yeah. think yeah, it quite came it. out <laughs> what I was wanting.
1: If you want to see Ryan's doodles, go over and jump on the Patreon, for sure.
0: So yeah, this is this is weird though. Like literally everybody that went and stayed. So first of all, actually, and this is something I brought up as us taking my notes. Uh so for a while, there's this. Was he like a caretaker, a manager, like a bellhop? I don't. Whoever that originally so, was staying there. You mean, wait the original like the manager oh. like uh when um oh gosh what was his name uh the one guy Warboys, boys Robert, yeah. yeah when he was dared by uh, his friends basically to go stay there yeah um, like he's banging on the door then you have this like manager bellhoppy guy like yeah. answer and stuff um so so had he been that, living there this whole that whole time or
1: yes so okay so after um what's her name bought it the heiress right after she bought the house she basically hired someone to live in the house and like run it as like a hotel basically like a a hostel
0: yeah so did nothing bad ever happen on essentially like the first floor then
1: yeah i mean they reported basically like poltergeist stuff all over the place okay They've frequently had, like, poltergeist and ghost sightings and shit all over the house. But the weird cephalopod-like Lovecraft horror thing was only on the second floor. Okay. that's In that second-floor bedroom, it happened over and over again.
0: So, and I know, of course, this this drunk kid, you know, like, trying to, you know, one-up his friends, basically, and take the dare... Yeah. Um, you know, like he goes out banging on the door and and everything and then so I I either wonder first of all if they were they had other people staying possibly like on the first floor. Yeah. Um why question. like why they always took people up to this second floor room.
1: Well, it it got around that that's where most of the weird shit was happening cuz even like the girl who got shoved out the window that was right. the bedroom and like that that was kind of the epicenter of the legend okay being built around the house so i could definitely see him when he went and demanded to spend the night he's like give me the haunted shit
0: see well my my kind of assumption was i was wondering and maybe this is just me of course making up stuff and and sure. reading a lot into it but I was wondering if it was like maybe this kind of unspoken thing where if they would have people come around that wanted to be up there and I know I know he told him to ring the bell, gave him a gun and everything, like whatever else. So like maybe that was uh, you know, allowed him to play hard to get, but I wondered if like there was kind of this thing where they would allow people to stay up there so it'd essentially feed this thing. Right, grow the rumor. Right. Yeah. Either Oh, you
1: mean to feed the monster?
0: either right yeah i mean both essentially oh. but uh you know like yeah more so like feeding the actual like thing itself whatever it is i um, like the
1: idea of the guy the guy that's running the the boarding house or whatever he's like under the control of this right exactly entity maybe right? and, you and, know like maybe it's doing like it's bidding
0: ex- that yeah that was that was my thought like so that's why yeah. i'm saying maybe I'm, I'm reading a little bit too much into it but I was kinda curious if like you know, maybe maybe that's how things are going down. That's where why he's able to stay there completely unharmed and unaffected and you know whatever else.
1: I don't know, but I think that's awesome. That's a super <laughs> that's a super cool theory. Alright. Super well, weird. I think
0: we can end the show now.
1: Yeah, exactly. You nailed it. In Excellent. like ten minutes, you got it. <laughs> um No, but that's Dude, that's a that's a horror movie, right? Right, yeah, that's, for sure. That's perfect. There's this like Z- zombie caretaker that's
0: fucking <laughs> just bringing in people to feed I mean, to this. You know, like why not? Right? It's yeah, yeah. But anyhow, yeah, I I, I you know that was just kind of a little thought that I had. Um, so now this, obviously people have lived here throughout, you know, throughout the years and everything. Um, and a lot of, you know, a lot of like the later story talks more about this thing, this creature, monstery, like Lovecraftian thing. Uh, whereas some of the earlier lore kind of focuses around some of the people that essentially died there. Like yeah, the, the girl haunting. Right, yeah. Like the the one girl what she had she had like hanged herself or something. Um
1: No, she um was thrown
0: from the window. That's what it was, okay, yeah. And then uh the other girl that was uh that was killed by like the what, the governess? Yeah. And so like she was often seen hanging out with like the other girl or something, you know, like they were in cahoots yeah. apparently. um they were often (laughs) sighted together yeah doing their haunting business and so but like you didn't hear much about like a quote-unquote normal haunt like yeah there was poltergeist activity whatever but it like seems like this really focused more on this creature as the years progressed
1: there i mean there are some other things like um sightings of a like deformed shadow person that a lot of people think are, a lot of people think was the the brother, the Dupree brother who got locked away because he was the like, one that was in the cellar and yeah yeah okay yeah um but yeah there there's definitely some some haunting here. I focused on the story definitely more on the monster because
0: I, I mean those are, I I prefer that to be honest. Yeah, yeah. those are cool stories. <laughs> yeah, for
1: sure this one and i know i mentioned before but this one reminds me a lot of our episode on the charter house guest
0: yeah no i i i definitely get those vibes too like especially yeah. um the the one guy that goes and stays stays in there and like has this thing like creeping up under the door frame and everything and getting into the room yeah. and creaking uh, like across the floor and, attacking him yeah. and stuff and right yeah yeah for sure um and just
1: like it's a place, just like Charterhouse, that has this foundation of like paranormal activity, yeah, the, like hauntings. And it has the, the history general and everything weirdness. behind it, yeah, for sure. And then this just indescribable creature thing that attacks people. It's yeah, it's very similar.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I definitely like I said I I was I was feeling those vibes for sure. Um, you know, it's uh, this is a little slightly different, but also at the same time, like. Kind of makes me wonder if I could think more, like you know, thinking more about Charterhouse and yeah. kind of piecing together like what that thing actually could have looked like. Maybe they're one yep. and the same. You know, they're Maybe. they're both uh, they're both in, in the UK, right? Like, uh, yeah. yeah, yep. <laughs> Maybe this thing, <laughs> um, you know, did its, uh, yeah, Moved and did yeah. its rounds. The monster
1: at Charterhouse was it was always vaguely described but it was described more as like a quadruped yeah but it also that's, smashed yeah, that's down that's small true. enough to it also smashed down small enough to squeeze under a closed door so who knows what you know range of forms it can yeah. take
0: yeah that's for sure
1: right yeah so there's like a obviously there have been a lot of like theories thrown out about this um, okay. The main one being that all these stories are basically just cover ups for like fucked up human behavior.
0: You know? I mean, I would say that's pretty fair. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh yeah, like, yeah, the guy
1: That's true. The guy murdering his niece, right? Throwing her yeah. out the window. Whatever. Shit like that freaks people out. Yeah, right? that was like, Adeline that gonna was thrown out that. the window,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah, I was just trying to breathe. Um, briefly go back through my notes here as we were chatting yeah
1: and like you know the war boys guy maybe he couldn't like couldn't get up the nerve to do the bet and so he just made up a scary story for everybody you know Um,
0: that's possible
1: yeah yeah true and like the novelist the writer Mm -hmm. could definitely have just been looking for like publicity I mean, of course, Right. he was what? already known for writing about paranormal stuff. So,
0: right. What better way to really get you know, out there than going to a place that's notorious for all these things yeah. and then writing some off the wall bit about it. Right.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, the sailors that definitely could have been a fight between the sailors. So and he could have just chucked his ass out the window.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's possible. So, getting into the sailors, though. So, this uh-huh. is, I'm assuming, after this place had shut down. Because, basically, they had had to break in. And, yep. like, from the sounds of it, it was not in the greatest state at that point. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, they're going in there. And, and this is, I guess, out of the, out of the cold. But a little, yeah. it's still a little strange to me.
1: Yeah, they just didn't have anywhere to to go after the bars started closing. So they walked around and they saw this abandoned place and just
0: broke in to sleep. Okay. So different times, right? Yeah, I guess yeah. so. Yeah. So going back to that one, uh, we had had the, we had had the one, the one guy wake up basically. Cause he heard like a scratching or a scraping sound coming from yeah. essentially across the hall. Right? Yeah. Like um, a
1: squelching, like liquidy, right? Suction yeah, that's cuppy right. Noise. That's right. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which I mean, just even thinking about, like, I can, I can, admit, I can completely picture this. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he's awakened by that, and then this thing essentially like comes at him. Yeah. As soon uh, as he which,
1: goes for the fire poker, it's on him.
0: Right, which ends up alarming the other one. Yep. Yeah. And then so I'm trying to trying to remember specifically back to that part, because I know he eventually he's got this thing like basically coming out his face and everything, drops his poker, the other one gets involved. And well, then the
1: other one wakes up and the and runs for it. He sees this right. the like monstrosity wrapped around his friend's neck and he's like, I'll go get help.
0: <laughs> okay. I alright, well true. Huh. So I guess I could see that being just a, I, they were drunk, you know? Yeah. See that being just a, an altercation a that went wrong. Right. And yeah,
1: one dude accidentally goes through the window <laughs> and he's like, oh man, I'm going to have to make some shit up here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so he'll never believe it. But I heard the squishy sound. This thing attacked my face. My bro, he, he took off. But yeah. you know,
1: no, that's the dead guy. You're telling the story from the dead guy's perspective. I am, right now. I know, <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> doesn't matter. I mean, in this place, who knows?
1: Right now, he was like, I woke up, this thing was attacking my friend, I ran for help, and then when you came back, he's impaled on the fence. There we go, outside. So
0: maybe slightly change my story around, yeah. <laughs>
1: That's. I mean, that definitely could have been. They got in a fight. Honestly, right. knocked him out the window. Yeah, like yeah.
0: accidentally knocks him out the window. There just happens to be this, like, you know, these poles kind of sticking up. That of course, I mean, you know, falling from anything, you have yeah. something kind of sticking up. It's it's gonna impale you, for sure. And so you know, it might have been Every like, time. A, oh poop, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whoops, not again. <laughs> <laughs> Um. yeah I mean who knows who knows honestly I mean
1: yeah I mean this honestly this house could just be a place where a lot of bad shit went down yeah you know what I that, mean? that
0: right I mean that right there because that can also create a whole you know create a history for this place yeah it's gonna yep. be negative it's gonna have yep. all this like negative energy surrounding it and you know people like looking at it negatively yeah and so that right there can set the set the whole tone whether or not like anything's actually going down
1: yeah right I mean people going in there expecting you know these these encounters that are based on you know the rumors that I mean that could definitely affect the experience they actually have in there,
0: yeah of course yeah
1: hmm and but I mean that's obviously that's the skeptical take, right? Is yeah. That, and it feels possible. Definitely I mean, possible.
0: Definitely yeah, definitely possible. Um if you're into the whole squelching slimy creaturey tentacle yeah. thing.
1: See, that's the thing
0: is the Littleton
1: account and the sailors, that's like uh there's like a thirty year gap there. And they're very similar.
0: And I mean, and also like that ship had, had docked there, that that boat had docked there, um. So they had what like basically like a free weekend, right, to go yeah. out while yeah. you know while things were going on. So I yeah, mean, it's
1: like the Christmas season in. They London. may not have
0: even known about the story. They may they may have you know it might have been something yeah. that like they they found out about through all these years, and they're like, oh, maybe we can go here, sort of thing.
1: I mean, they could have been local boys.
0: Yeah. True. True. You never yeah. know. Or yeah. they could have not even known like a bit about this and just yeah. end up and at the wrong place. The same
1: thing, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's. I mean, true. I love that this thing is like you know, like we mentioned Lovecraftian, but this is like well before Lovecraft wrote anything. It's like fifty years yeah. before. Yeah, this is eighteen. started putting.
0: I mean, because even at the time that they were there, what was that like eighteen? Like eighteen seventy, something like that, yeah, late eighteen
1: hundreds. So, yeah, so decades before Lovecraft. Yeah, and you know, obviously, Lovecraft's work was based on like really old mythologies and stuff. Right. But so that kind of imagery was around before him. But it's of course that that's always the touchstone for for us. Is like these like indescribable horrors are always. Yeah. Always scream Lovecraft to me.
0: Because it's it's not your your common like run of the mill like yeah. horror story, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely. It's a monster flick for sure. Oh yeah,
0: without a doubt. Without a doubt.
1: So here's the thing. Like, do you honestly think this thing could be a cryptid? Like some undiscovered, weird cephalopod thing.
0: See, <laughs> I hadn't even thought of that possibility. Cuz I'm I'm out here just thinking like this is basically some I don't know, ghost of like somebody's goldfish that morphed or something. <laughs> but <laughs> uh like a zombie, I don't know, monstrosity of right mixed proportions. I don't you know, who knows. But I honestly I suppose that's possible. I mean,
1: yeah, there, I mean, I kind of like the idea of it, like making it's, maybe it's like mutated from the extremely polluted Thames River, right? you know, yeah, which is right there. And like, it makes its way in through the sewer system to the house.
0: I definitely like the idea of mutation, you know, because then we're like talking about like full blown monster. Exactly. Exactly. Um, You know, but could, it could be uh, also a cryptid.
1: Yeah, I mean, given mutation, who knows? But if we're talking about like a natural cephalopod, they only live a few years. Like two or three years is the lifespan. So
0: for that like 30 year span or so, that wouldn't quite add up. No. Unless this is like the great, great, great grandson of the one...
1: Yeah, I mean unless there was like you a know. breeding population of cephalopods inside this
0: <laughs> townhouse. I mean possibly in the walls, you know.
1: Yeah, you never know.
0: Right. I I
1: mean I also and I might be wrong, and listeners if you know, if any of you know better, I don't know that cephalopods would survive outside of water for that long. <laughs> uh,
0: you know? That's true. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I honestly don't know because they're fucking weird. Cephalopods yeah. are are super bizarre, and I, mean, I know they do lots of weird shit that like surprises people. So, what but- about
0: like feeding off of like mold and stuff like that? Possibly sure. like damp spaces that would give them enough food and yeah, you know, like water just out of you know just the mold and everything.
1: Yeah. See, and mold is another possible solution to this that like maybe there was some <clears throat> some toxic mold or something in this room that made people hallucinate
0: see that that's definitely possible um yeah which I, d- I didn't really kind of think about um you know because it could definitely depending on how much and things like that black mold can do a lot of crazy things right which this makes me think about um honestly this this kind of makes me think about resident evil uh so in resident evil 7 mold was was kind of one of the big big things um you know that kind of caused uh the you know some of this crazy stuff with the family right right and so, and I was trying to just double, double check through here because they essentially weaponize it. Um, and I was trying to, yeah, I was trying to remember exactly, exactly. Like kind of like the backstory with all that.
1: Yeah. But
0: so even just with that as kind of a basis idea without getting deep into it, cause we're not really here to talk about resident evil, um, sure. you know, but Unfortunately. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Uh but with how much like that's able to do and how rapidly and things like that it's able to spread and then also cause mutations and yeah. cause like this family to become essentially crazy uh, yeah, for it just to those effects overtake that it has on people Right exactly yeah. So you know like think of something possible like that right Yeah And so yeah I mean that could definitely be part of part of this thing and why people like are, are always found like cowering in a corner and like the right. maid like she was like yeah hey, don't touch me blah blah like whatever whatever she's saying yeah. um
1: yeah I've, she might as well have been saying like there are bugs crawling all over me exactly or, you know what i mean like one of those classic freak outs
0: yeah yeah so i mean that very well could be part of it right there to be honest yeah like i, I mean hmm
1: yeah i mean hallucinations are are really close to to 14 you know experiences anyway
0: yeah for sure i know we've talked about that whole like uh concept of you know if you essentially see it like did you actually experience it and like not dismissing those that have these experiences as uh authentic right
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, uh, hallucinations and things like that being as, uh, essentially as real as the experience itself. Right. And so, and that's, and that's something we've kind of, we've kind of talked about or kind of dived dove into a little bit, um, you know, because, you know, kind of, I uh, kind of assuming like those situations or those, uh, instances, regardless of how they actually happen if someone was able to experience that even through hallucination it's just as real it's just as real as if it happened you know and like a yeah,
1: materially exactly yeah I yeah I definitely agree with that I just I can't it makes a lot of sense that like some something in the walls some mold some material that was causing just and it the fact that it was so localized, like it was intense in this bedroom, but, you know, lesser hallucinations in farther parts of the house. Yeah. You know, farther away. For sure. It makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So another theory is centered around the rumors of those two initial boarders when they first opened up the the house for, you know, for boarding. Mm-hmm. Um, which is that they were sort of dabbling in a cult ritual
0: so in the house. That, yeah, so you had um, what was his name? He had came and was staying there. Um, Myers, right? Um,
1: yeah, Myers and then Dupree, the one who also locked his brother yeah. away.
0: So Myers, though, was the one whose fiance basically left him at the altar and then yep. uh, stopped like stopped uh, or started sleeping through the day and staying up all, all hours of the night and yeah. was often seen like walking about like carrying his little you know his candle. little candle um yeah. and then I often imagine
1: him in a sleeping cap <laughs>
0: <laughs> right of course because why yeah. wouldn't he be um you know and then so he's like often like seen doing that and then people like hear like these weird like screams and noises yeah, coming noises. from his room and then immediately assume that he's like doing some, some weird like uh, like occult you know rituals. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like so, I don't know that I would immediately make that assumption.
1: Yeah, I probably wouldn't either. <laughs> and I imagine they had more information at the time than we have. I mean, but know? the guy was like, staying
0: up throughout the night and sleeping during the day. Cause, so why why isn't he? You know why wouldn't he be? Yeah, that's enough. Trying to, to bring out the dead.
1: Yeah, um
0: bring out your dad. But no,
1: like <laughs> there's um, there one of the theories is that maybe they opened something up, doing rituals in the house. I mean, right? the fact the- that
0: Dupree also kept his brother down in the cellar and, Yep you know, like he had to endure that and basically fed him through like a small opening. You know, like yeah. So, I mean, yeah, like maybe a combination of a little bit of uh, a little bit of both of those created some really negative energy. Yeah. Um, And maybe
1: opened, uh, opened something up.
0: Right. And maybe Myers was out there like, uh, you know, praying to some weird demon or something trying to get back his woman. Who knows? But still,
1: I don't know. It's weird. It's there are a lot of different options.
0: There really are. I mean, this is this is one where it's extremely open ended. The only reason why
1: I like the um the the cryptid idea is I like the idea that it might still be there.
0: Yeah. Well I know, you know, basically according to like the end of the story, like everything seems like, you know uh nice and, and well and all is good in the world there, basically at yeah. this point, right?
1: Well for a while it was um it was an antique bookstore. They turned it into an antique bookstore. It was that for like 60 or 70 years. Huh. This sold like antique books. And it's been empty now for about a decade. Um, Like it still looks super nice and maintained. This is like one of the most like posh areas in all of London. All right. Like, yeah, it's very fancy, super rich. Like the whole park is surrounded by townhouses that are now like giant financial management firms and like hedge fund companies and
0: yeah i mean yeah, that's that's fair that's fair a little do they super know wealthy old district. boy got in a fight with his buddy and got thrown out a window <laughs> right and impaled by one of those you know poles on the fence out there yeah
1: yeah it's it's super i I think that's what initially appealed to me about the story is that it's sort of this like reverse diamond in the rough, you know, it's like because it's such like a nice high, like high class area. And then there's this building that's been empty for a decade that has this really strange, dark past. Right.
0: Yeah, true, true. Yeah, it's it It does kind of set the area. You know, it's completely different and separate from like the whole rest of the area for sure. So yep. now it does sit empty. It's not. Because yeah. I thought it was. I thought now like somebody else had bought it and I thought it was back up and, and running at this point. But maybe not. No
1: like I, it has an owner for sure. And okay. it's still kept up really nicely. Like it looks really nice from the outside. Maybe they have now Just a deal like with this
0: like creepy sludgy creature. Yeah.
1: Maybe. There is a sign like a plaque on the on the building that was Put there forcefully by the police actually in in like the early 1900s it's still there all right that says that no one is allowed on the second floor except the owners
0: Huh. i mean that's that's honestly pretty cool um and yeah. and also like at the same time i feel like that might be might be something that's used as uh you know to draw attention to it right yeah and almost yeah, like, like
1: a paratourism thing yeah
0: for sure for sure like oh don't go up here because we said so and that should be enough
1: yeah you'll get attacked by ghosts and the squid
0: <laughs> have you ever seen uh what is the movie is it called milo is that is that the name of it oh my gosh why why can i not think of it right now it's this uh i don't even know if i actually want to talk about it (laughs) um because it's this super stupid movie right bad milo that's what it is what the hell is it let me uh let me just tell you all about it Um, uh so it's basically i was trying to find the actual like uh
1: synopsis? Yeah,
0: just so I'm not like butchering it and that way I can do it Um, semi-justice. Just know that it's extremely ridiculous, right? So it's this movie that was made in like uh, 2013. And actually, according to IMDB, the description is, a man learns that his unusual stomach pains are being caused by a demon living in his intestines. (laughs) So... (laughs) this this so this guy poops out this thing basically right This like sloshy little poop monster and i couldn't help each time like listening to this story i just imagine this like little sloshy poop monster attacking people because that's what this little thing does that's quite a visual like attacks and kills people so like yeah I just I don't know for some reason I, I couldn't help but to think of like that whole story does it like launch off the floor at people yeah he like just lunges at people and attacks them for sure and he's a little poop monster
1: that's ridiculous
0: he doesn't have tentacles but you know everything else is kind of similar close enough yeah <laughs> If you ever get, if you ever get a chance to watch it, you should check it out. It's it's uh, extremely ridiculous, but it's really funny.
1: Yeah, I probably won't be watching that. All right, that's fair.
0: <laughs> Has a really good cast though, for what it's worth. Who? Uh, so let's see. Let's. Uh, I'm trying to go to the actual full cast. Uh, so Ken Marino is the main guy. Jillian Jacobs. Uh, let's see. Patrick Warburton. Um. Uh, I always forget how to pronounce his name. Kamail Nanjiani. Nanjiani? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jack Broder. Um, I'm looking for a couple more that are more popular people. But, like, honestly, I mean, the cast is decent. For being such a strange, absurd concept. Yeah. I mean, if I got offered to be in a movie where there was this evil poop monster... You bet your ass I'd be into that. I bet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I like it. I like it. But it, it's also extremely ridiculous. Anyhow. I and
1: mean, Patrick Warburton's enough for me.
0: I, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that was, uh, like I said, it was just, it was kind of that. I had that idea or that thought as we were going through this process. Yeah. That visual. Yeah, so I mean, at this point, I mean, regardless of you know talking about a poop monster, I was just you know (laughs) trying to figure out like kind of what what I thought that this thing could be. I like the idea. Honestly, it was
1: like a way for you to visualize it. Yeah, it it helped. It
0: helped a lot. Uh, I thought about that with kind of tentacles and slimy. But yeah, yeah. Um, I do like the idea of it being a possible cryptid, though, and especially since now knowing that that place isn't like uh, operational. Uh, yeah. not operational but in operation yeah whatever yeah like it's not open to the public or anything maybe this thing does still exist
1: yeah maybe
0: you know or maybe this is kind of those you know that uh that strange one-off situation or this was nothing more than literally a fabrication to build this place up to be this talk of the town during that this era and yeah. all these people including the writer that came through and you know writing about these things were were able to kind of reap the benefits of
1: yeah maybe it was just like a a 19th century version of like the Valisca Axe Murder House <laughs> where they're just like right yeah wantonly capitalizing on tragedy
0: oh exactly that yeah without a doubt i mean the same as uh there was, the, there was that one Irish castle that we talked about. Um, Leap Castle? Leap Castle, yeah. You know, it could be even something as similar as, like, Leap Castle, you know? where Yeah, yeah now now they're just basically just reaping the benefits of, like, this yeah. haunting past.
1: Like the Lizzie Borden house?
0: There, there's so many of them. Like, yeah, yeah, for so sure. Many. For sure.
1: I don't know. Yeah, para, you know? paratourism is a real thing, oh, for it's, sure. Oh, it's
0: huge, for sure, yeah.
1: You know what my visual reference for this was? What's that? It was the face suckers.
0: Okay. From what alien? Huh. That actually makes yeah. me think of Half Life too. Like the uh, yeah. Um. Oh my god. Things that
1: just like launch
0: up out of yeah. nowhere and the, like start the sucking skull on crabs. Your face. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Man, those yeah, things are that, terrifying. Yeah, that but like slimier and more tentacle. Yeah. Because I guess sure. the face sucker is kind of bony. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. but. Not yeah. as like slimy and sludgy. Yeah, I think it's just the leaping at the face is what made me yeah. go there.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I I get that. I get that. It, it helps to create like a very powerful visual. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just uh, even even in half like gro- Half Life, growing up with those games and the yep. you know like those, uh, I, I, yeah, basically just skull crabs, um, yeah. you know like. Sucking your face and yeah, (laughs) candy shit about it.
1: (laughs) Isn't doesn't that like take over the whole screen and it's like makes these weird like. Well, it does
0: make the sound, yeah, and then like you're like disoriented and stuff, and um. But I I, a little while back, actually, it's been a while. It's been a year or two. I was playing Half Life Alex on VR, and like when you're walking through and those things start lunging at you. Yeah, it, it, it was terrifying my first couple times. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I get that for sure. Yeah. Um, speaking of video games, I'm, and this is not a paid ad, but I recently won a giveaway that the Moth Boys did from Moth Boys Podcast. All right, where I got a code to download a game called Mothman 1966, and it's a game on steam it's like and i i've only played it a little bit but it's super cool it's like text-based huh. and it's oh, like yeah. basically tells the story of like this team that's investigating mothman back in 1966 and i fully recommend it it's it's super awesome sweet i'll like i'll include a link in the in the show notes and everything because like it's like a small game you know apparently it's it's on
0: switch as well oh nice from what i'm seeing yeah
1: but it's like it's definitely in the realm of indie games you know but i mean so like those are some of my absolute favorites yeah same but it'd be really cool to like go check it out for sure sweet i'm i played about a half hour into it and i'm i'm really enjoying it
0: that's awesome. So maybe we should. First time I played uh, a video game in like nine months. I was gonna say maybe we should set up like a playthrough of it sometime and.
1: Yeah, that'd to, be cool. Try to
0: get an audience to come and check it out. That would be cool. Yeah, it looks solid. I'll definitely check it yeah. out. Excellent. Sweet. I like uh, I like video game suggestions.
1: So yeah, I think I like on this where I land is, in the. In the paratourism.
0: Yeah. I, for sure honestly, I think
1: I think a lot of a lot of tragedies went down in this place yeah. and they were just like we could probably capitalize on this rumor mill
0: I I fully agree that's definitely yeah. where I'm at with this it's it just seems a little too fantastical uh, yeah yeah to put a light for sure yeah you know as it's yeah. cool as it would be but yeah'm I'm, I'm gonna have to agree yeah awesome
1: well That concludes Episode 61, 50, Berkeley Square. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us
0: to carry on. We want to get to know each and every one of you, so, please come and check us out on all the socials at campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook, at campfire.tot.sau on Twitter, and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling.
1: And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram. For his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief, you can find more of his tunes at reverbnation.com/reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time, I'm Ryan.
0: I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird and trust in the, the unknown. unknown.